my children were like velociraptors testing the fences to see when I would break down. And so they'd be like, can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? And then either I would get mad and yell at them and feel like a terrible parent, or I would eventually give up and say yes and feel like a terrible parent. Do your kids think money appears out of thin air? This week's guest, Mari Collins-Harris, is the co-founder of Ketchup, an app designed to teach kids financial literacy. Mari shares her journey about creating Ketchup to create more consistency and clarity around spending in her own household. She provides insights into how the app helps kids learn key money skills like budgeting, saving towards goals, and decision-making in a fun and safe environment. The conversation explores how to talk to kids about money in an age-appropriate way balancing needs versus wants, and overcoming money mindsets from our own upbringing. I'm Bob Wheeler, and this is Money You Should Ask. This podcast, along with my books, workshops, and online courses, are designed to support you in getting to the heart of your financial struggles so you can break through inner money blocks and create the financial freedom you desire. Ensure you never miss an episode. Click that follow button on your favorite podcast platform. Now, let's shift the way your kids think about money with Mari Collins-Harris. Mari, welcome to the show. I am so excited to talk about children's financial literacy with you. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So Mari, can you tell us how you got started and what inspired you to start Ketchup? So I am a mother of three. My oldest is eight. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And originally we started ketchup because my kids just wanted stuff. They wanted a new toy. They wanted a new bike. They wanted, wanted, wanted. And we didn't really have a framework for how and when I would say yes. It would be, were they good in the last five minutes? Was I in a good mood? Had I had my coffee already? It was very arbitrary. And so my children were like velociraptors testing the fences (laughs) to see when I would break down. And so they'd be like, can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? And then either I would get mad and yell at them and feel like a terrible parent, or I would eventually like give up and say yes and feel like a terrible parent. So the origin of it was more about creating a system in our household where they knew when I would say yes, and I knew when they earned it. So being able to have that framework made our household much more fluent. We didn't fight as much and everyone knows what to expect. I love that consistency for kids. Wow. (laughs) What a concept. They get to actually know. It's so important that you talk about that because parents do get mad. They're having a bad moment and the kid just happened to ask the question at the wrong time. For sure. They have no idea what's going on. And as adults, you're trying to manage everything else as well as, hey, loving child, um, and the world's going on. So... Yeah, we're not perfect as parents. And I think there's this culture of parenting where you have to be the perfect parent. You have to be getting your kid in swim lessons and doing violin lessons and paving the way for their future. And it's hard to manage all those things, much less like dealing with the stress of the everyday. Yeah. So Kentrop for us was a way to help our children understand that money doesn't just come out of nowhere and that they can work to earn it. And success happens when you work hard. That's so awesome. And I mean, I love that Ketchup is teaching kids about financial literacy. You shared the story about having to look over your kid's shoulder while they were trying to figure out which 
toy to buy. And, oh my gosh. and you're being honest going, okay, at a certain point, I'm bored out of my mind, pick a freaking toy, right? Exactly. And yeah. creating that safe space for them to be able to shop, compare and start to learn without having to take on the parent's energy. I know many parents don't talk about this stuff because they weren't taught. So they think it's just better to not say a word. Whereas I think it's better to say a word, even if you don't know everything, to at least start having these conversations to normalize. Yeah, I totally agree. But there's the right amount of words to say, because I am a person who tends to say too many words. When I was looking over my child's shoulder while he was on Amazon, not only was I like concerned because he signed into my Amazon account, (laughs) but I was also like, oh, that one's made in China. That one's got cheap materials. That one's too expensive. Coaching him and being this bug in his ear and not letting him make his own decisions and not letting him learn from those mistakes. Because as much as I want to guide him to make the quote unquote right decision, it's not going to happen if he doesn't go through those wrong ones. And hopefully low stakes early on mistakes. That's right. You've got to give them the guide rails Uh uh so that they don't completely crash and burn. What are some of the other lessons that you hope kids will learn from this app? Well, honestly, the ability to make mistakes in a safe environment is a huge reason why Ketchup works. You don't want your child to be an 18-year-old who's never once made their own financial decisions. And the first thing they do when they have a credit card is go buy an expensive card that they can't afford the car payments for. So it's better for these kids to be able to make decisions along the way that get increasingly more impactful. And at a younger child's age, it might be buying a RC car or a toy helicopter that breaks. Ah, dang it. I wish I'd spent my money differently or I wish I'd bought the nicer version. Whatever the lesson is that they take from that, they might not make that same mistake again, or they might have to make it a few times, but it's not as high stakes as going into debt as an adult. And that's what we're hoping to teach is that your financial decisions make a difference in your life, not just in that moment, but further down the line. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. And I'm wondering, the other piece for parents may be to hold the boundary when they do make bad mistakes or make mistakes that aren't the best. I have a friend who let their kids start buying their school clothes and they would get a certain amount, right? Yeah. One kid's like, I'm going to buy a pair of fancy cool shoes. Now I don't have any pants or shirts for the rest of the season. And then mom and dad being able to say, you chose the shoes. We're not going to supplement the pants and the shirts. You're just going to have to hope people give some stuff to you for your birthday or something, right? Yeah. And then hold that boundary. Like you wanted to ask for a toy, <laughs> but now you have to ask for a jacket because it's getting cold. I started using ketchup in the same way because my children were not being responsible with the things that I had bought them. So we live in a cold climate, so they need mittens, they need hats, they need all these little things that they take off once they get to school. And then who knows where they go? They just float off into the ether. So after my eldest had lost maybe his fifth or sixth pair of mittens, I was like, all right, you are going to buy your own mittens. I let him shop around. He spent his own money on it and he ended up choosing a pair that I would have never bought. They were like flashy, but they're the last pair of mittens we've had to buy because he used his own money. He felt the sacrifice and they were identifiable. So these mittens have lasted almost a year now. It's summer, so haven't used them much lately. But the difference between something that a child invested in rather than was given yeah. is huge. And the way they respect that item is also huge. That's such an important skill. And you do have more care when it's your money. 
for sure. Because it's just easy to go, mom and dad will fix that. Mom and dad will fix. Ah, at some point, mom and dad won't. So good to learn that early on. Budgeting is something I don't think at any age people love to sit down and budget. I'm in accounting and I love to do budgets, but even my own, sometimes I'm, ah, do I have to do it today? Yeah. How do you teach budgeting to kids to make it fun and relatable? Is there a way to do that? It depends on the age of the child. Obviously, once they get older, you can give them prepaid debit cards. There's a couple apps like Greenlight, Rooster Money if you're in the UK. But for younger kids, it's been pretty much pennies into a jar. I found that if you give a child money, first of all, they're going to lose it. They're not going to have it when they need it, which is there's a bake sale down the street. Where'd my dollar go? Right. But also, if they have $2 in hand, they're thinking in terms of, where can I spend this $2? As opposed to if they have $2 in an account, they can think, oh, I'm $2 closer to reaching my goal. And so priming them to think in terms of reaching a goal rather than like blasting through their cash is super important. So one thing on Ketchup we do is we let children set a goal, just one, one goal that they can work up to and see their progress towards that goal. For example, my son today got his bike. He bought it himself. It was a very expensive bike. So we funded part of it and he was responsible for reaching that other portion. But he worked hard. We paid him for chores and it took him four months, but he bought his own bike. Super excited, super proud of himself. He's like oiling and polishing it and taking care of it, which I love to see because the last one was left out in the rain. In answer to your question, I think a lot of the importance of teaching kids is teaching them early and age-appropriate lessons. Yeah, and I love that you participated in the purchase of the bike. He had to set a goal and he had to meet his obligation. Then you came in and said, if you meet your obligation, we'll cover the rest. So now there's a joint investment emotionally as well as financially. And honestly, like we bought the bike ahead of time because it was on sale. And so it had to hide in our basement for a while. (laughs) So we were really like, we need to find chores for you to do so that you can meet your goals. He was working hard, mowing lawns, tainted rooms, all sorts of stuff. My husband and I pay like the skimpiest allowances to our kids just so that they get used to having like an income that's expected. It's like $3 a week, not much. Right. But we pay very handsomely for chores because we want to incentivize that mindset of work towards something. I love the intentionality. And I'm wondering if you have any advice for parents how to be more intentional, right? Because sometimes you got kids screaming, adult chores that got to be managed. And sometimes conscious parenting takes a lot. Like it takes some effort. And so are there any tips you could offer? Because I know there are people out there saying, I don't like screaming at my kid, or I wish I could be more conscious in helping them think about mindset and all that stuff. And I love that you're placing a value on they get paid more for chores. Are there any tips you could give parents to just help them feel like, throw me a lifeline? Yeah, honestly, I still scream at my kids. I'm not proud of it. And I apologize when I do, but I'm not a perfect parent. I'm a person with reactions who needs space sometimes. I think the best thing that I've learned from my experience is setting up a framework in those quiet moments when you aren't stressed out, when your kid isn't screaming at you, when you haven't had your cup of coffee, like find that quiet time and figure out what matters to your family and how do you want to prioritize that? 
for my family, we want to prioritize hard work. We want to prioritize taking care of themselves. With ketchup, we are able to say, okay, we will approve certain types of items. We will allow you to spend your money how you please if you can afford those things. And the rest is up to you. So in that sense, we don't have to have that moment of, can I have it? Is it appropriate? And in the moment, having to make that snap decision, it's already been decided in the quiet moments. When there is too much noise in your head, you can fall back on this system that you've already set up. Yeah, I love that because we don't always have the quiet moments and kids do need consistency in that, okay, these are the parameters versus, oh, today the sky is blue. The answer is no. <laughs> yeah. Because in my childhood, that's the way it operated. And if it was a blue sky day, that didn't always mean you got the same answer, right? So it was difficult guessing how to play the game. But because I said so, Era, I remember my parents, I'd say, why? Why can't I? And it's because I said so. And so that doesn't give me any insight as to why. So I keep asking. I'm like, well, what about now? What about now? What about this? Right. And that just stresses parents out. It's awful to have your child questioning you all the time about the same thing over and over and over. But if you say, okay, these are the type of products that are okay in our family. You might not want toys that require batteries. Or maybe you don't want violent content. Or maybe you want gender neutral stuff. Right. Whatever is right for your family, you can set up those parameters early on. And then your child can look through and figure out like, okay, this fits or it doesn't fit. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And in today's world with all the technology, how do you manage battling screen time and cell phones and iPads with money management, showing up and being present? How do you manage that? It's funny because my husband and I created Ketchup, which is an app which requires some screen time, but we also are very restrictive when it comes to screen time. Like our children don't have their own devices. They don't have their own iPads. We have some old beater phones that we bring for like long car rides or airplane rides. And like we'll watch movies together. But besides that, we let our children use our phone for buying things on Ketchup, shopping around, adding things that they're interested in. But Personally, I'm pretty restrictive, but I'm trying to loosen the reins a little bit because I've been reading more and more studies about how gaming and certain types of social media can be beneficial for kids as they get older. But it's such a tricky line to toe because there's no real research that lasts for decades. It's only like, well, this has been around for five years. So let's see what happens to these kids in the future. Technology is changing and changing and changing. So you also have to be up on it. Yeah. Because sometimes the kids are up on it more than, than the adults. Oh, yeah. I just find the six-year-old when I need stuff fixed. <laughs> yeah, like, the digital oh. natives. <laughs> they're out of control. They are so fast at picking things up. For sure, for sure. Well, Mari, we're going to take just a moment to test your nerve. Okay. Test your nerve is brought to you by themoneynerve.com. Your money problems need a hero. So grab your cape and fly over to testyournerve.com for financial solutions and a free quiz. Be your own financial hero. All right, here we go. What's the most embarrassed you've been by one of your kids maybe having a public tantrum over a buying decision? Ooh, <laughs> God, there are so many. <laughs> we went to Walmart once and we were there for emergency toilet paper or something like necessary. And the kids wandered into the toys aisle and it's just madness there. They can reach everything. They can touch everything. 
I'm trying to be respectful, even though it's like a big box store. I'm still like, okay, everything needs to go back where it belongs. Oh, don't put your mouth on that. And (laughs) there's three of them. So by the time you catch one or two, the other ones sped away. And so I lost my cool. It wasn't necessarily (laughs) kids being obnoxious and temper tantruming. It was me being like, oh my God, I got to get out of here now. Like leave the toilet paper grab the children. We're getting out of here. This is a nightmare. (laughs) So yeah, my embarrassment is my own, not my children's. That's funny you say that because I've seen some situations and it was actually the parents that lost it because it's a stressful situation. And I think especially if, like you said, from the era of because I told you so, kids want to know, like they're asking questions. I want the toy. And Mm -hmm. and, ah, it's overwhelming. So I love that. Yeah. It's like a sugar rush for kids to be in a store with a thousand toys. (laughs) Absolutely. What money mistakes have you made in your own life that you hope Catch Shop will help kids avoid? I think one thing that I'm still working on is realizing that just because it's a good deal, it doesn't mean it's a good purchase. So an example of this is I remember when I was maybe like 11 or so, I was old enough to start walking to stores and stuff from my parents' house. And I had $5 and there was a candy shop they were like closing out. And so with the $5, I bought like pretty much their whole inventory of Sour Patch Kids. It was like a giant industrial sized box. And I took it home. My parents didn't know about it because it was my money, my walk. And I ate the whole thing in like a week and was so sick. And (laughs) I'm like, okay, so hopefully with some parental guidelines, Kids can learn to make those decisions, make those mistakes, but also hopefully learn from them because (laughs) a great deal is sometimes a bad choice. Yeah, I love that. Have you ever hidden a purchase from your spouse? And what was it? I don't shop a lot, to be honest. And when I do, it's like the things that I buy, he doesn't care about or notice. So, yeah, I feel like if I buy anything, it's mainly for the house or for the kids or I don't know. Right. I'm not much of a shopper, so I'm going to go with no. Yeah, I'm not much of a shopper either. So (laughs) what was your worst purchase regret? Mm, I bought a giant piece of land that I was really excited about. It was totally a purchase with your heart and not your head. It was 18 acres on the California coastline. And I was like, Uh, oh my God, this is amazing. And like, we can afford it. And how is this even possible? It's too good to be true. We'll build our family compound. And I had all these big dreams. And then as time went on, it was like, oh, we can afford it because you can't get water service to there. (laughs) There's invasive plants and animals. There's like a protected snail. There's buried bombs from World War II. And it's just all these things. Wow. Not to mention we have three kids. We live eight hours away. So it was one of those purchases where we held it for a year and then eventually we're like, all right, maybe this dream is not for us. Maybe it's for someone else. So we had to move on from that one. But my heart's still there. Yeah, that's a bummer because I would be excited about 18 acres on the California coast. Are you kidding? Yeah, it was amazing. (laughs) It was too good to be true because it was too good to be true. Yeah, there's some properties in Topanga like that where I I think, oh, that, oh, you can't build. Oh, it's just rocks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's what happened to me. We did okay. We did slightly better than breaking even, but it was a heartbreak to give the dream up. Yeah, for sure. Would you let your kids make a risky stock market investment in their catch up with their catch up money? Well, currently we 
don't let children do stocks on ketchup. So I'm going to say no. But yes, if we do add that functionality in the future, which is something we've considered, (laughs) I would. It's their money. And I think learning that losing money in the stocks is painful. Yeah. Doing it at a young age when you still have a roof over your head is better than gambling it all away later. So yes. Yeah. Or maybe they'll make a ton of money and we'll all be rich as we can be. And I think it's different for everybody. Some people like spending money on real estate. Some people like spending money in the stock market. Some people love crypto. For me, I think it's important to go with your comfort level to a degree. I think it's important sometimes to get out of your comfort zone. If you're not comfortable with crypto, don't go spend a whole bunch of money in crypto. Don't do it because everybody else is doing it. Get information. And I think what Ketchup is doing is really offering options and opportunities to do things in a safe environment so that when you go out in the real world, you've now got some of these skills. Yeah, we do allow kids to donate to charities through Ketchup. So we have a save, spend, give concept. And the give, it's interesting because my two older kids are now competing with each other to see who's donated more to charities. And it makes me so proud. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're saving the ocean and you're like championing orphanages. And it's really heartwarming to see six and eight-year-olds wanting to do charitable giving. I think that's awesome. Do you have like a ratio, 50% needs, 30% give, 20% wants? Or do you have any formula or is it everybody's own personal choice? It's more personal choice, yeah. Mm -hmm. At this point, it's kind of one bucket that you as a parent can designate like you need to give a certain amount to each cause. But in our home, we try and designate 10% for charity and then we fulfill our needs first and then wants. So for example, like the mittens, you can't buy anything else until you buy the mittens. So if my child tries to check out on a stuffed animal, I'm not going to accept that. I'm going to decline that transaction and say, no, not until you've met all of your needs. I have had some people, when their kids get money, they charge a 5% mommy fee or a 5% parent fee for overhead. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Like taxes. Again, it's like how your family functions. And I think Mm -hmm. teaching those, whenever you make a transaction, there is going to be a little like nip off the top. I think that's a great idea. We've actually talked about doing a system where you can disincentivize certain purchases. For example, like, yeah, you can buy a Snickers candy bar, but it's going to cost you $12. So (laughs) like it might only be a $2 candy bar, but there's a $10 tax on it. We played with that idea a lot, but haven't made it so because it was a technical nightmare. For sure. I mean, it's the same like we incentivize the bike purchase because there's no way my kid would be able to reach that goal in the world we live in, but then disincentivize other things. Yeah, that makes sense. In the app, PetShop prioritizes purchases and delaying gratification. These are key skills. How do you ensure that the app incentivizes savings over spending and prioritizing needs versus wants? Is that part of the conversation? Certainly. Yeah, I think a lot of that happens between parent and child. A need versus want can change family to family. So something that I feel is a want, I want a car. It might be someone else needs a car. That infrastructure is set by the family. But in order to keep children on track towards saving, we do have like a savings goal. 
So the child can see like how close they are to achieving that goal. But along the way, if they go off track, it will show like you've slid backwards and you're not making forward progress anymore. Most of the savings is geared towards an end goal, which I guess all savings is because whether your end goal is retirement, buying a car, emergency funds, you're always saving for something. And how do you ensure to cater the experience to the different age levels? Because a five-year-old may not have quite the depth of understanding around finances that a 15-year-old might. Well, we keep the app super simple. Mm -hmm. We are aiming it towards younger users because by the time they're 15, they're kind of out in the world and a lot more independent. You can't really put as much control around their experience because they might have a job. They can do what they want with their money. We are aiming to educate a younger group that is underserved at this age, which is like elementary school kids. Our target audience is somewhere between like five, maybe four if your kid's a genius, but five to like 11 or 12. And that's kind of our sweet spot. A lot of the interface, it has like pictures, it has bar charts, it has a lot of visual stimulation so that even pre-readers can understand what's going on. And then at the same time, like if a kid makes a mistake and purchases something that is inappropriate or their family says, ooh, not a good idea, there's always that parent break where a parent has to confirm or deny a purchase. So there's no accidental trampolines showing up at your apartment. (laughs) Exactly. No, I mean, I think that's so important. And that age group feels like a very important age group to target. Personally, I believe we learn all that stuff when we're four, five, six, and seven. And so if we're not getting the fundamental core teachings at that age, it's going to be harder a little bit later on. Not that it can't be learned, but it feels so important to get in there early. Yeah. I mean, once you reach middle school, you're looking towards your peers instead of your parents. And so you want the fancy sneakers and the designer handbags and whatever your peers have. It's this sweet spot of you're not a baby, but you still spend most of your time with your family where parents can have the most influence on their kids. And so financial apps out there are either using play money that has no real value in the world, right? or they're geared towards older kids. There isn't really another way that young kids can have financial autonomy at that age. Yeah. And I think it's so important to make it a little bit fun. It doesn't have to be the most fun. I mean, a water (laughs) park or a candy bar might be more fun, but to start at least having these conversations so that they can feel empowered and feel like they have choice and that they can learn to make decisions, make mistakes, and still be okay. Yeah. We've recently added a feature where parents or children can add custom items to the shop. So whether that's, we want to go to Disneyland, you can't add that to the shop unless it's very custom. Or we had a bunch of horse enthusiasts who wanted very specific saddles. So you can create a very custom experience or item and work towards that which I think is great because it's not always something physical that arrives in the mail. It might be, I'll take you and your five best friends out for pizza. Right. So being able to put value on things that aren't necessarily like physical items that you're owning. I love that. Do you have any words of wisdom or top money tips for our listeners who are parents and want to teach their kids financial literacy? And the reason I ask this, well, lots of reasons, but even you talked about, I didn't get taught certain things as a kid. Mm -hmm. 
you still went ahead and tried to teach your kids. Some people just shut down and they're like, I didn't learn anything. I'm not going to teach anything. So I know there are people out there and mostly out of fear. Yeah. We're not wanting their kids to think they're dumb. And so I think what you're doing is important. And I'm just wondering if you have some tips out there for the parents that are like, yeah, I need, I want to do more. I think honestly, one of the best teaching tools I've found for my kids is sharing my own failures with them. Like I am not a financial expert. I'm not a CPA. I'm not a financial advisor. And so I'm learning along the way too. And not just about finance, but about building technology and marketing. And so sharing all of these experiences and showing that I'm still learning, I'm still working on it. I don't have all the answers. They see me struggling and I don't hide that from them. So they can see that like, oh, you don't just like grow up and know everything. It's kind of a lifelong learning process. And then they just absolutely love every story of my failures, (laughs) especially from when I'm a kid. I have like, I try and remember them. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, I chased after an ice cream truck barefoot and then busted open my toe and it bled for two days. So always wear <laughs> shoes. They eat that up and they learn from it. They're like, you got to run with shoes. Yes, because your toes. But yeah, sharing your failures, sharing your insecurities. Obviously, you don't want to like share everything and let them know like, oh, we're financially insecure or oh, I'm like insecure with my body. You want to like tailor it to what's appropriate to the kids. But yeah. I think it's important to let them know that you're not perfect and you're working on it. I think that's so important. And I'm wondering, do you have family meetings where the kids are involved in conversations around money? Well, we are a motley crew of ages. And so trying to sit down a three-year-old and an eight-year-old and a six-year-old and have a financial meeting has not been possible. We're very much I call them three feral children because they're just (laughs) biting each other and rolling around. And we're not quite there yet. But I think by the time my youngest is maybe six or seven, I think we could incorporate something like that. To your point, which I really appreciate is, and I was thinking about this, it's good to talk with kids about money, but it's not great to tell them, I don't know how we're going to pay for our housing oh my God, I'm so worried we're going to file bankruptcy, right? We don't want to instill fear Mm -hmm. in them. We want to give them information. Well, maybe that's not something that we can afford to do at this time, or that's not in alignment with our values. You don't need to take your own real situation that might be happening and throw that onto the responsibility of the children. Exactly. Yeah, I'm totally with you. If you are in a precarious financial position, I don't think that's something that your children need to know about in detail. They might need to know like we save a lot and we're very careful with our money because we don't have a lot of it. But anything more than that can be distressing for kids. So I'm with you. Absolutely. Well, Mari, we are at the M&M moment of the show, the sweet spot, money and motivation. I'm wondering if you have a practical financial tip or a piece of wealth wisdom you could share with our listeners. Hmm. Um, I think one of the biggest financial growth areas we've had in our home is the idea of everyone working towards something together. It's really challenging when you have young kids because they're only thinking about themselves. I want, I want, I want. Right. But we have a chore chart and each kid has the things that they need to do and they aren't going to get paid for it. But then we also have an alternate chart that has, okay, if you mow the lawn, it's $7. If you rake the leaves, it's $8, whatever those chores are. But being able to create a structure where finances for kids 
are understood by all and expected. It's not how much will I get for this? It's I know how much I'll get for this and I will choose to do it because I want it. Right. I think taking away the mystery around money is super important for raising financially secure children. I love that. And what we've been talking about a lot throughout this conversation, or my takeaway is, is the intentionality piece. Getting intentional, being able to bring in your own values and helping your kids make choices, giving them the freedom to figure out how they want to spend, where they want to spend, and also bringing in your own values, being able to say why Mm -hmm. instead of because I said so. Yeah. And really willing to teach your kids about money, even though you don't have all the answers. And I really think it's so important to let kids and let other people know, here's the places where I didn't do so well and I still survived. But you can learn from this. And so many times, at least historically or in my own parents, they wanted it to look like, hey, we have it all figured out. And they didn't. And I knew it. Yeah. Because they just didn't know. You can't hide it. You can't hide it. And I think had they been a little more forthcoming, that would have been easier for me to realize, oh, I don't have to magically make it work because I was waiting for that moment when I would just, everything would click in. Yeah. Like, when am I grown up? I've been waiting. It's not happening. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. (laughs) I think that's partly why I became a CPA. I wanted to understand how it all worked because it was a free-for-all in my parents' you know, and it wasn't their fault. Like they didn't know. It wasn't like they intentionally said, let's not teach them. They didn't know. And I think that's the important thing. Most parents didn't get the download either. It doesn't mean you can't keep your kids from learning and actually getting more information than you did. Yeah. And honestly, like teaching kids about finance is easy. You don't have to be a CPA. You don't have to know all about stocks and exchange rates and everything. Like just start small. Like, income, output, that kind of thing. That seems so basic, but a lot of kids don't get that because they never have the chance to experience it. They have everything purchased for them and they never see the true value of the things that are in their life. Yeah. And there's so much freedom in that. I have a couple clients that their parents did everything for them that even in their 50s, mom and dad were still taking their paychecks. And so when their parents died in their 90s, these kids at 55 and 60 were completely lost Yeah, because they had never actually done adult things their entire life. So Well, I'll take their paychecks for them. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'll send them over your way. Yeah, I'll help (laughs) them out. No, that's awesome. Well, Mari, where can people find you online? Where can they find the app? All that good stuff on the internet? You can find the app at www.ketchop.com. Plenty of information, some blog posts, that kind of thing. We're also on Instagram and Facebook as ketchup.app. That's K-E-T-S-H-O-P, like ketchup the condiment, but ketchup. <laughs> and like I said, pet shop, ketchup. It's yeah. for kids. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I'd always thought of it as ketchup because ketchup is this like bridge from baby safe food to adult food. <laughs> like as you start introducing adult food, you put the ketchup on it to make it more palatable to kids. So we are that service for becoming an adult shopper. I love it. Well, Mari, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time and thank you for helping kids learn financial literacy because the world's a better place when everybody gets intentional with their money and makes great choices. Thank you so much, Bob. It was so much fun talking with you. Hey there, Money Master. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Did you learn some valuable insights around your relationship with money? Our guests shared some of their financial epiphanies. You might have experienced one too. 
Don't just sit there with that aha moment. Share it with us and the world by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Or leave a comment on one of our socials, at Money You Should Ask. Let's spread the word and help others explore their financial health too. But that's not all. Do you want to live in abundance and build wealth that can sustain you and your family for generations to come? It only takes one thing, the willingness to change the way you think about your money. It's time to test your money nerve and discover what's been holding you back from financial freedom. Take the free quiz now at themoneynerve.com and begin your journey towards a prosperous future.